0: Heyo, Heinz. How are you today? I'm doing really good, Robot Jake. Um, I'm not sure why you have kind of a robotic sound to you, but I'm doing really good. I'm, I I think I'm figuring out why, Jake. I've really enjoyed the few days we've had since the whole daylight savings time thing started, and started, ended, whatever it is. Okay, yeah. There's something about going home from work in the dark that is just, like, cool. You know, like, at night, you know, big things happen. Like, you know, I, I think it was because basketball season always was about around this time. And it's like okay. games and stuff happened at night, you know, kind of the yeah. big time things. So just kind of one of those things. It's like, I don't know. It's a season. I love it.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I felt like when it got dark out and I, I left my office, it always made me feel, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it always made me feel like, Ooh, I was super productive today. I put in yes. a very long, hard day of work. But then I remembered I was working for the man and it's like, they're just taking time away from my life. So, um, but yeah, I totally get that feeling.
0: Yeah, I I get you. I read you. The night adds some excitement to the darkness, driving home, all the headlights, stuff like that. You know, thinking like, yeah, like you said, super productive, even though it's 502 as <laughs> you're not super productive, but Right. Yeah.
1: Well, as Adam
0: Sandler would say,
1: the nighttime is the right time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and we have an exciting podcast episode tonight, I think. Oh yeah, they're always exciting. And everyone should know now by the time you know they saw the title when they clicked on it, but we're continuing the top 20 albums of all time, but numbers 10, 6 through 10 today. Yeah yeah
1: exactly and we're starting to get into some really juicy ones so what do you say we hit that music and come back and talk about more music
0: yeah i think i think
1: that's a good idea yeah all right Uh, here we go We are back from the music and we are taking a look at albums 10 through 6 on some random websites, (laughs) top 20 albums of all time. Heinz, take it away.
0: What do we got today? Okay. I think we should probably catch people up on numbers 11 through 20 real quick of just what we've already gone through. Because I'm telling you, once we get into the top 10, there is a repeating, we'll call it theme throughout them. Okay, so number 20 was Radiohead, OK Computer. Number 19, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin IV. Number 18 was Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde. Number 17 was Nirvana, Nevermind. Number 16 was Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Number 15 was Elvis Presley, The Sun Session. Number 14, The Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Number 13, The Beatles, The White Album. Number 12 was Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? And number 11 was The Who, Who's Next? And this week, number 10 is, Jake?
1: Number 10 is The Joshua Tree by the band U2 out of Dublin, Ireland. It is from 1987. Heinz, what do you think about this band? What do you think about this album
0: on this list? Well, this was definitely um, the album that I think made the U2 sound when your first three tracks on an album are in order where the streets have no name, I still haven't found what I'm looking for and with or without you. I think you're making a real bold statement with those three uh-huh. first three songs. Cause yeah, uh, only two of them became a number one single, but still all three of them are basically you to ask songs like when people say give me a u2 sound a song Uh it's gonna be one of those three yeah they name one of those
1: yeah those Mm -hmm. those yeah like you said even though like not all of them were number one hits they're still super iconic sounds super iconic and just the way that the album starts on where the streets have no name that guitar instrumental intro is just such a cool sound i i I've always been an admirer of the guitarist from U2, The Edge, because he is a master, just a mastermind of using guitar effects and effects pedals and things like that. He can create these incredible combinations that just give U2 just like this huge, rich sound for only having four members in the band. It sounds, they sound like a big orchestra because of, I mean, the other three members are super important as well, but The Edge, his guitar is insane he's so good one of the best <laughs> well he mixes
0: bono with the edge and it is a very unique sound that i don't think you hear well, kind of like you said with the guitar side of it but even the vocals you just don't hear a lot of it and um it seems like bono hasn't really i mean he loves hitting those notes those you know sounds and it seems to repeat on almost every U2 song after the Joshua Tree album. Am I wrong uh-huh. on that one? No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And uh, one thing I thought was kind of unique, and it's good you started off with the Ireland theme. Um, most of the songs, I didn't realize it until I did a little research on it, were actually focused on U2's love of the United States. So, like, I guess there's a lot of literature references There's certain authors and even politics of the United States because they just got done touring in the U.S. and went back and started writing. So they were they were kind of across the pond, motivated to sing about a lot of things that were in the USA at the time. Huh. I did not know that.
1: That is super interesting tidbit. Thanks, Heinz, for educating us on (laughs) YouTube songwriting. That's great. That's cool. Super cool.
0: What was your uh, favorite song on
1: the album, Jake? Uh, I think it is Where the Streets Have No Name just because of that intro, but I do really love With or Without You, and I also really like uh, Where the Streets Have No Name. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. no, that's, that's what I just said. That is the intro track. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm silly. Uh,
0: yeah, those are the highlights of the album for me, for sure. Bullet the Blue Sky, for me, it just had a different sound that yeah. I really liked, and it stood out on the album. So, yeah, obviously the first three tracks are super good, and they are you 2 But Bullet the Blue Sky was actually pretty good. I liked it. Nice. Good.
1: So, thumbs up to this album for you? Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. Okay. For sure.
1: Very good. All right, we're moving on to number nine. And number nine is, ooh, the first entry by a punk band. Here we go. This is The Clash, London Calling from 1979. Hines, what's your take? What's the scoop?
0: I had never sat through and listened to any album by The Clash. And honestly, if you'd asked me if I'd have known any tracks by The Clash, I probably wouldn't have. But everybody knows Train in Vain, Stand By Me. It's just a song Uh everyone knows but has no idea what the lyrics are. But you've heard it before. And... I was amazed by this album. I thought it was really, really good. And that actually caused me to go and listen to other Clash albums because I didn't know. I thought what I was listening to on, the, on London Calling was punk rock. But a lot of critics claimed that this was their first post-punk rock album. And it had more of a rock and roll vibe to it, which... I can kind of feel, I can kind of feel it. I can kind of sense that it isn't like a lot of their other albums that came before this. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, to me this is uh it's a controversial album in my own eyes because yes, the Clash are labeled as a punk band. But to me this album is not really a punk album at all. It has some quality songs, some really good songs. It's an iconic album. It's just it's not my favorite it never has been um if you go back a few years and listen to the clash's debut album which is just called the clash now mm-hmm. that is a punk rock album to me london calling is not it's it is it's more of a uh elements of rock elements of reggae and elements of pop mm-hmm. modern pop at the time i mean amazing songwriting the, the whole album through and through is still really really good but I don't label it as a punk album. And to me personally, I will not even put this album in the top 20. I'm going to be a little negative and be a hater. I don't think it belongs. <laughs> and that might be controversial, but that's probably because me, I'm a punk rock purist. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, this isn't, isn't a punk album and it's not top 20 worthy in my book, but I don't want to rag on it so much because it is a good album. Just, ah, how about we put Pearl Jam 10 in there instead?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like, and I'm surprised. And we're going to have to have a follow-up show on what we think should have been in, but uh-huh. wasn't. Because yeah. that I think that would be good. Um, is the cover art, is that enough of a punk rock vibe for you to maybe oh, yeah. help a the, little bit? Because it's the bassist smashing his bass. <laughs> yeah. It's like the most iconic cover, if you ask me. It Even is. It over is. Nirvana, never mind. It's, yes. it's way more memorable.
1: Yeah, it's like it's a poster that every rock and roll kid had hanging in their in their bedroom when they were young for sure. Yeah, it's super it is really cool. I like
0: that. And and one thing being a new listener of the Clash that I actually really liked throughout this album, you hear a lot of different styles and influences mm-hmm. song yeah. to song. Yeah. So you it's don't hear like in a in our two albums down here, the number 7 if I remember. You're not going to hear like the same thing throughout an entire album that that has yeah. its own good sound to it. You're going to hear different things in every song, and I, I actually really like that. Yeah, and that, is, something I that overall, is I thought overall, I thought overall it's just a good album to sit back and listen to, yep. because it's just I don't know puts you in a good good mood, good vibe.
1: Yeah, that is something that's really cool and unique, and something about the Clash that I love is they they weren't afraid to just do whatever the heck they wanted. Now their first album was was true punk rock. And this one was like, ah, we're going to do something different because we can. And mm-hmm. like it or don't, here we are. We're the clash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love that attitude. That's Now that right there
0: is super punk rock. <laughs> You'll like the story I came across when I was doing a little bit of research on the album. So when they were recording this um, and they're actually putting together um, the music and the lyrics for it, not actually literally recording it, they uh, would start their days off with just afternoon rehearsals, putting things together and mixing. And then they would go and play a friendly game of football, followed by drinks at the local pub, and then come up, come back to the studio and do their evening rehearsal where they got most of their work done. So I kind of <laughs> like it that they went out and had fun, got drunk, and then it was like, okay, now we're going to actually go to work. I mean, yeah, I don't you know, might be work. able to get more done if you do that.
1: All right, should we move on to album number eight?
0: Yes, I think we're obligated to do that.
1: Yeah, and we have another entry from the greatest band of all time, the Beatles, and this one is Rubber Soul from 1965. Hines, what's your
0: take on this one? Good album. Definitely good album. Um, It's one that you can tell that the Beatles tried to create a different style than their albums before this. Uh, I did find out that this is considered the um, start of their drug use in this album. Yes. And yep. uh, it created a lot of uh, psychedelic-type sounds to it, considered mm-hmm. psychedelic in the 60s. Um, but also, it's kind of cool. This was only their second album that they uh, ever produced that was all original band material. Yeah. So it was finally, I guess, they kind of put a stop to all the I don't know, commercial side of it. And they said, this is the music we want to do. And so I think I think overall, it's really good. It's a good album. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, the Beatles are one of those bands, like their early years and their later years are pretty much completely different bands. Their early years were like the really pop stuff. I want to hold your hand type stuff. And then you get the later years, which is all the psychedelic. Rubber Soul is that tipping point right in the middle. Mm-hmm. You still get elements of that, their their origins with songs like drive my car and then you get in the psychedelia like norwegian wood mm-hmm. songs like that and so you start to hear those influences and then by the the beatles album after this they've gone full-on psychedelic but this is this is kind of a cool album because it has mix of the old and the new beatles for the time and this album here does have what I've officially decided is my favorite Beatles song of all time. So my favorite song by my favorite band is the track called In My Life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go hit play on this song and within three seconds, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know that song.
0: Yeah, that's a great song. (laughs) Yeah, there are three big commercial hits off of this. There were Norwegian Wood, Michelle, and In My Life. Those are the big three. But my favorites, so your favorite was In My Life um mine was actually nowhere man Mm -hmm. followed by drive my car and then what goes on i really like those three
1: okay uh another one of my favorites is i'm looking through you that is a Mm -hmm. super cool song and it's one that gets stuck in my head like
0: for days days upon days (laughs) yeah and you can tell that on this album they did have so they had the drug influence but they also um, had the influence of they just got back from their US tour. And on that tour, that's the big stadium tour where they broke the Shea Stadium attendance record and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can tell um, that they obviously were influenced by like Bob Dylan, who mm-hmm. they met on the trip, and then also Elvis Presley. Cause there's just some of those folk rock influences and some of that rock and roll soul, Southern rock. Kind of influence from Elvis Presley, too. So you can just tell, tell they're getting influenced on a few different levels. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Okay, we're on to album number seven. And this one is Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd from 1973. Heinz,
0: what do you think about this album? Uh Great album, but the first thing that everyone probably knows, even if they don't know it's a Pink Floyd, The Dark Side of the Moon, is the cover, which is oh, the yeah. prism spectrum. And so it's kind of a cool cover art and it shows a beam of light going into a prism and leaving as a spectrum of colors or a rainbow. So it's kind of a cool little setup they did. And I don't know, I think it kind of feeds into the album because the album it flows really well. Yes. And they they intended for it to do that because they kind of wanted to make it into an artistic presentation. And I think they even have an associated movie that went with the album or they tried to tie a movie eventually. And it's just, it's a great album. I mean, it was an absolute treat to listen to like three or four times. It's its right, just right. so good.
1: Speaking of movies, isn't this the album that if you play this album simultaneously with the wizard of Oz, that like the lyrics and the music kind of match up to what's happening in the wizard of Oz
0: is This is yes. the correct one, right? Yeah, something to that effect. But it is not supposedly. It is not intentional, or they didn't plan that to happen, or something crazy like that. But we all know it probably did. They probably right. did. <laughs> yeah. The three big hits off of this. The three big hits were breathe or breath, excuse me, in the air, time, and money. And I think everyone would know all three of those as soon as started started to get oh, yeah. within
1: seconds. Within seconds also this album has one of my favorite song titles of all time i like the song fine too but the title the great gig in the sky isn't that just a phenomenal song title it mm-hmm. is so
0: good they did uh, a great job with a lot of the lyrics and song titles on this album very good a masterclass in songwriting i
1: mean it's a it's a slow vibe, so if you don't like slow vibe music, if you want something to get get yourself pumped up with, Pink Floyd might not be the band for you. But if you're just sitting around chilling, uh, this is this is a great one to chill to. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's your favorite song off the album? Probably "Money," good old the the OG. Probably the uh, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking at the statistics on Spotify: the number of plays, number of streams. Mm-hmm. And Money is number one on this with almost 387 million. And, you know, the next highest one on there is Time with only 266 million. So yeah. Yeah, it, it's beaten out song number two by 120 million-ish, roughly. So, yeah, easily the most popular, probably the most recognizable. Like, you know, those first three songs, boom, 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 boom. boom. You hear I was going to say the bass yeah.
0: like, Yep, I know that song. <laughs> yeah. uh brain damage i really liked like if you start looking away from some of the really you know popular ones that get a lot of airplay uh-huh brain damage is good followed up by us and them i thought okay it's actually pretty okay. good i would suggest with all these albums we talked about today if you like music not love but like music you can go on spotify apple music wherever and listen to these albums all the way through And you will, it will be a good use of your time. Like you will feel awesome at the end. of Yeah,
1: you will feel awesome. (laughs) I like that. That's great. Music
0: feels awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And one little kicker thing, trivia thing or whatever, uh, the profits from this album were invested partially into the production of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They were really? Yeah. 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 What a weird story. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's Pink Floyd. If you don't think there's weird things they did with their money, eh, listen to the album. You'll, you'll have a feeling. There is like producing movies and stuff like that just based on the album.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. That brings us to the last album of the day, number six, and that is called automatic for the people. And that is from REM in the year 1992. This is a quintessential early 90s album, wouldn't you say, Heinz?
0: <laughs> it It is the
1: sound of the early
0: 90s, for yes. sure.
1: Yeah, For sure. It is the album that, you know, in 1992, I still wasn't really into music at all. But everyone knew all of these songs. Like, I didn't go out of my way to listen to music, but I knew all of these songs. <laughs> like, every word to most
0: of them. <laughs> And I don't know where like Everybody Hurts got played over and over and over again. But literally anyone that was between the ages of like 5 and 50 back in 1993, I can't remember what year this came out. Maybe you knew that song like yes. right away.
1: You knew it. I remember seeing the music video for it on MTV. Uh, isn't that the one where they're stuck in like a traffic jam? and the the camera keeps like going in and out and it's just michael stipe standing there in the middle of traffic saying I believe Every. That's it. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 like um this album kicks off with a, with a killer song called drive mm-hmm. and then it goes on to other hits like the sidewinder sleeps tonight everybody oh, that's hurts. my favorite man on the moon which is all about andy kaufman and oh, my, probably my personal favorite track on the album, Night Swimming, which is just Michael oh. Stipe singing with a the piano. And I, there might be some other instrumentals in the back, but it's it's
0: one of the prettiest songs that's ever been written. <laughs> and that's we were listening to that one song before we hit record. And I think we both said it, that Stipe is the guy to sing that song. And the piano is just a beautiful instrument to be playing in that song, like it is like the perfect marriage between voice and instrument of any song you'll really ever hear, yeah, for sure. And
1: I throw out a challenge to people. Um, almost everyone knows the song Man on the Moon, and when it gets to the part where uh, Andy, are used something on Elvis, and he does the hey, baby. I mm-hmm. challenge you to refrain yourself from doing that out loud at the same time. Everybody does it. Hey, baby.
0: <laughs> we both did it before we hit record. We both yeah. did.
1: It's impossible. Yeah. It's like trying to eat one potato chip. It just doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> this this is another one and like I love REM. But if anyone listening to this podcast, if you're trying to kill 45 minutes worth of time, you can listen to this entire album in that amount of time and you have no regrets. It is that good of an album and, and they're that good of a band. I mean, this is one of the original alternative rock bands and they're dudes that were buddies at the university of Georgia. So this isn't like a super group or anything like that. It's yeah. just, I think four guys that just got together and said, Hey, this sounds good. And, and some of their friends were in the band, the B 52s, Another cool band that just had some really good songs in the early 90s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're all just from Athens, Georgia, just college students.
1: Yep. Just started this band and made one of the biggest albums and some of the biggest music from that era. And it still stands the test of time. Like a lot of this music holds up. It would still be, if it came out today, it would still be really popular. And that's really cool. <laughs> and
0: they didn't tour in support of the album at all. Not really? Oh my goodness. No. No, no, they, that. they, uh, actually wrote the album, um, under the dread according to them of, they were all turning 30. So like themes in the album are like based on like getting older and turning 30, basically. <laughs> that is, that's pretty wild. For <laughs> anyone that has never purchased a CD or a cassette tape, you used to find out all this kind of information, like on the inner flaps, which no longer exists when you get, you know, you download off of iTunes or Spotify or whatever. I kind of missed going back and reading through, like you can read the old inner flaps or the yep. covers of a lot of these. And like just the information you can get out of there. You're like, oh, that's right. I used to not be able to get on the Internet and yeah. search REM. I actually had to read all this stuff.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. It was, it's good. That's pretty wild back in the day. Like, that was the only access to information other than the music itself. It was the only thing you had. Like, I want to know more about this band, REM. And, like, hopefully they wrote something on the inside flap.
0: <laughs> yeah. Some cool behind the scenes pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: All right. Well, that does it for our albums, number 10 through 6. We'll do a quick recap for you. Number 10 was you 2 The Joshua Tree. Number nine was The Clash, London Calling. Eight is The Beatles, Rubber Soul. Number seven, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And number seven, REM, Automatic for the People. All right. unless Heinz Hines has anything to add?
0: No, just go listen to these albums. It's a requirement. Homework. All right. We
1: will get out of here then. So until next week where we will have another fun new topic have a safe happy week and we will check you all next time later bye gobble gobble